So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. You're still going to miss out on some things that we think are pretty important, like seeing our beautiful faces and the beautiful faces of the community that surrounds you, that are intergenerational and diverse in lots of ways, that might challenge how you think, that might offer you support and encouragement in ways you didn't know you need. You're going to miss out on inspiring music and snacks after church, but we will give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts, perfect preachers, we're just your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so if you're away from home, or working, or coaching your kid's soccer team, or out of town, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. So each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is, when you're listening to this, we hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we don't really care if you agree with everything we have to say. We encourage you to use your brain to think your own thoughts, to figure out what you think, to talk about them with the people around you. Whatever you believe, whatever you agree or disagree about, we hope uh, that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So this Sunday, we swerve into Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, 31 he was, um, 34. Famously a bullfrog. Yeah, I think that was a different Jeremiah. He was a good friend of mine. Right, Chris. Never understood a single word he said. <laughs> really? Really? You're going to go there? Uh, Jeremiah was like a 14-year-old prophet. Yeah. And in this passage, he talks about the day that is coming when God will make a new covenant with the people. Okay. Even though they've broken the covenant. Yeah, over and over, over and, and over and over again. Over and over again. And, and the way Jeremiah says this covenant is going to be different is that Jeremiah says, this: I will put my law within them, I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ah, conscience instead of regulation. And they don't have to say, know the Lord to anybody else, because everybody's going to know God. Everybody will get it. Everybody get it. Aha. Uh-huh. And conscience. I will remember their sin no more. Conscience, not regulation. Yeah. So that is in connection or alongside John 12, Mm -hmm. verses 20 to 33, where, well, Jesus is, I love it. The the passage opens with this idea that there's some Greeks that want to talk to Jesus. And so they go to Philip and say, hey, can we talk to Jesus? And we don't actually ever hear from those Greeks again. We just start into this thing about how the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, Greeks are non-Jews. But it's just this funny little thing. That I just think it's one of those things in a text that I'm always like, oh, look at that random little bit of poor editing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, Why are they even mentioned? Anyway. I mean, it makes sense to me, but I'd have to extrapolate it a little. Right. In this context. I mean, like, just with this little... This little bit. Yeah. This little bit. It's kind of... It's just sort of random. But it's this whole idea that grain of wheat doesn't become more wheat if it doesn't... Stop being a grain. Stop being a grain. Um, has to become something else. Has, has to, to let go of its identity mm-hmm. as a grain. And then there's this there's this interaction that Jesus has about whether he should be afraid or not. Anyway, this got me thinking. I, I am more thinking about Jeremiah and this whole notion of writing something on your heart. Mm-hmm. The image that came to my mind or the story that came to my mind is um, our friend Carolyn 
Hi, when Carolyn. She, hi, Carolyn. When she was doing student work, campus minister, she did this fun project with her young people about why they had the tattoos they had. Ooh. We've been talking about tattoos at my church. I wrote my Easter newsletter oh, yeah, article about right. tattoos. I used Missy as an example. Missy being our children's director who has a sleeve of tattoos right. and did not tell her I had used her as an example. And so everybody at church on Sunday was asking her about her tattoos and they had never shown any interest in her tattoos before. She's like, before. what happened? And so she got the opportunity to tell them about all of the different symbols right. that were in her tattoo. And they, people thought she just liked mermaids. Nope. There's, no, there's reasons actual reasons for everything that she has on her yeah. arm. Obviously, Carolyn had younger folks who hadn't had time to get that many tattoos yet. Uh, but just the stories of why they chose the words or the image, right, are really significant. Like, absolutely. you don't choose to put something on your body. That you don't think is going to mean something. Right. You're being intentional about it. If you're Frank Turner, it's a different it's a different story. And I'll link his song about tattoos. Well, but even then, I think, I think it is significant in that moment. It's the totally drunken version that maybe isn't quite what we're sentiment. talking about here, right? Yeah. But, but thinking about... You know, this idea of being marked in an external way to show the internal stuff. Mm -hmm. And Jeremiah is saying, you're going to be marked internally so the external stuff will be different, right? Like the how you live this out is going to be different. And Jeremiah is naming a, a turning point. Even though the old covenant has been broken by the people, not by God very clear god is still god and god is still present and those things that that actually become significant to us as we live our lives god's sort of renegotiating the contract because he realized he may have been asking too much yeah yeah it's it's sort of like like god has been looking at the people and like any good teacher or mentor looks at the situation and goes hmm how can i help them get this this methodology seems mm. to be failing this methodology seems to be failing and tries to approach it differently all of these things that are written down on these stone tablets seem a little fragile all of a sudden. sudden yeah. Maybe we should do this in a different way. Yeah. And it's another it's another place that God reminds people that they can't get rid of him that easily. Mm. Or get rid of God that easily. And we are in this together. You are mine and I am yours. So we better figure out how to live together. So we better figure out how to live together. And what I love about this is that what we end up experiencing is God doubling down. Like God says, okay, that I'm didn't all work. In. Yeah. I'm all in. Right? Like, I am all in. All the cards on the table. Here's my only begotten son. Right? Like, here's that thing we think of as most precious. Here's my incarnation with you. <laughs> and it might change and totally. It might change totally. It right? might be the grain. And it's going to have to be the grain. And it's going to have to become something different. It's getting personal. It's real. And God's calling on the people to figure it out. Do the work. Do your work. To figure out how you can be in this relationship. And that's something we don't always talk about. I mean, we talk about it a lot. We talk I about it a lot. We, I mean, my church has been talking about it for the last four weeks. So I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. No, I meant, <laughs> I meant we as in the large sense of humanity. What do we need to do to evolve? Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that came up at the, went to a multi-faith breakfast at UNR, mm -hmm. uh, University of Nevada, Reno. They're trying to do community outreach to faith communities to help amplify their diversity and inclusion and all the things. And one of the things that they said would be helpful for faith communities to do mm -hmm. was to model self-reflection and non-reactivity. And I was like, dude, we've been doing that for a year and a half. You have. We, Intentionally. We, we could do that. Intentionally been preaching about yeah. lowering anxiety and non-reactivity and building relationships with people who think very differently than you. Yeah. Um, so that you can have real conversations with them and yeah. how important that work is. And the fact that 
it's sort of dribbled into the secular community and they're going, oh, it might be important for us to not just think that we're right, but to also still be in relationship with people with whom we disagree. Like wildly important. Right. How do you, how do you live together? Yeah. Yeah. Through Jeremiah, God is saying, it's no longer an external thing, this covenant that you kind of look upon, you gaze upon, but it's this thing you got to live with. Mm -hmm. And you got to take it from head exercises to heart exercises, then to living it out. Actually, I called it heart calisthenics. That's cute. Thank you. Cardiac calisthenics. There you go. And and the reality that, that God has done all this work, you know, all this giving, all this pouring out, and it's up to us to make it real mm-hmm. for other people, for ourselves to live it out. It doesn't replace the law, right? Like it doesn't replace the boundaries and the, the good guidelines that we have been given. We've been talking about the Ten Commandments and we've been talking about all these things that are still good and still important. But one of the things I got thinking about but was... they're not the... The snake on the stick. They're not the snake on the stick. They're not everything. They're not everything. Our human tendency when we're given rules is to figure out how to get around them. Hmm. Loopholes. Loopholes. And I think what what God was trying to get out with these words from Jeremiah was, yeah, that doesn't work. (laughs) You need to build something you can live in instead of try to get around. Right, right. Stop the mental gymnastics so that you can get get away with all the things you can get away with. But... You know, going to put it within you, within your very hearts, within our hearts. I mean, that's where it lives. We're not immune from it. So and our glimpse into John is reminding us how God does this by putting incarnation among us, by by reminding us that we, you know, that we are in the midst of this, reminding us that just about the time we think we've got it all figured out, we've got to let go of that identity, as you call it, and become something new. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this does not live. Otherwise, this does not change anything. We, we don't grow or change. We stay the same and we keep making each other angry and hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we actually have to do the work yeah. of paying attention to our own shortcomings and our own fears yep. and anxieties and our All own rough things. edges yeah. and work on dealing with those. And, you know, there's a lot of stigma around counseling, mm-hmm. around going yeah. to counseling, like admitting that you need help or right. getting medication or whatever. But that's ridiculous because... Right. Religion doesn't have the corner on this. No. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time, but there are so many tools and so many things that we can access well, that will most, help us yeah. increase our self-awareness, yes. increase how we improve our relationships, how we show love, which is what this is all about. Right. And keep us out of that legalistic yeah. thinking. Because that's what... The judgmentalism that the traps judgmentalism us. The judgmentalism that traps us and doesn't allow us to like live fully. Yeah. And keeps us bound. So the day before this sermon, I got a phone call and um, it popped up, uh, uh, you know, not in my directory, right? Mm-hmm. Like you only get the name if you have the name in your phone, right? But it, it had uh, an area I used to live in. And I was like, oh, but I thought maybe it was conference business or something like that. And so I answered it and it turned out it was a friend. And this friend said, do you know who this is? And it took me, a, you know, a couple beats, but I was like, oh yeah, I know who this is. Because that was a formational relationship. It was for a you. formational relationship. It was actually my my eighth grade English teacher. My goodness, were you a suck up in high school or what? Uh, I was a good babysitter in uh-huh, high school. Sure, yes, yeah. yep. <laughs> you are in touch with your eighth grade English teacher. No, I. So, so, so this is somebody you haven't been in touch with in a while. I haven't seen this person since I was in seminary. Wow, I, but you remember who they are. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like that, that, that's the connection, right? Like, like you remember those people who are formative to you make marks upon your life. God says, I do that. You've changed and she's changed, but you still are important to each other. We're still important to each other. And those connections are examples of what God's talking about here, right? God's talking about, I want to be present at this moment and I want to be present in 10 years. (laughs) I want to be present in 30 years, right? So extending the metaphor a little bit, do you believe that God changes? I do. Yeah. So, so this is a kind of theology that is not well understood, even among folks who've been to seminary called process theology. And process theology is the idea that just as we evolve and our understanding of God evolves, Mm -hmm. God is also evolving. Right. As one of my friends says, said one time, uh, she says, I'm creative and God's creative. And when I create, I change. Mm -hmm. That makes me think God must change. Yeah. So the, the Marjorie Tohoki is a great theologian, Methodist theologian, yep. used to work out of Claremont. I think she's retired now. Oh, yeah. But she wrote uh, several books. And one of my favorites, she talks about the relationship between God and humans as a call and response. Mm-hmm. This is something that's very familiar to people who are Methodist. We often have a liturgy where mm-hmm. a leader will say something and the congregation yep. responds in unison with something that has been prepared ahead of time. And it's a way of saying God speaks to us and then we respond and then God responds to our response and Mm -hmm. then we respond to God's response. And so we might end up going down very different paths and that all along the paths that we go down, God is still calling and we are still responding. Yeah. And so this process theology idea takes away some of some of the assumptions that we have about God, that God is all knowing or all powerful or all whatever, because we trust that. If God was really all-knowing, then God maybe wouldn't have room to grow. Right. But that God responds to us. And so part of this covenant and this reinvention is the scriptural support for the idea that as God tries things out and they don't work, God changes God's mind and tries something different. Well, and some folks will get, you know, like a little anxiety will rise in them at this (gasps) thought, right? Yeah. But it's not the only place in scripture that I can think of, like right off the top of my head where there's evidence of this. Yeah, God often gets in arguments with humans and then lets the humans win. Right. You know, Moses, Abraham, they've all argued with God and negotiated. Wrestling with God and negotiation. And even um, this Lenten time, we've been talking about the rainbow you could even say the Ten Commandments come down as a the part of that negotiation. The wedding at Cana, when Mary right? says, hey, Jesus, will you do this thing? And Jesus says, it's not my time, woman, and then does it anyway. Right. Right? Like Mary influences Jesus. The Syrophoenician woman, woman changes Jesus' mind. mind. That um, Je- if Jesus is who we look for to see what God's doing, right. then if Jesus is changing Jesus' mind, then God might be changing God's mind at yeah. the same time. Which is not to say God is fickle. Obviously, this whole sermon that you're preaching is about the steadiness of this covenant, right. but that it evolves. Right. And that, that, that there's a, a necessity in that that is significant, which is, I think, answers one of the biggest criticisms of having faith, mm-hmm. right? That, like, how can it all, you know, what about this? You know, that, that Jesus and the disciples never even imagined would be something we, you know, like, just think about open heart surgery. Of course, they said nothing about this. They had no concept that this would ever be possible. Yeah. I mean, maybe Jesus did, but obviously the disciples did. And that's a whole nother thought, right? <laughs> she I, uh, just gave me the look. The look. I was just thinking about you have to know who you are before you let go of it. Uh-huh. And this has been a conversation in the kind of post-evangelical world recently mm-hmm. is like there's this certainty that goes with evangelicalism mm-hmm. around we know God, we know what's required, and that sometimes that might be a step in evolving. 
as well as to say, okay, here's my certainty and then be willing also to let go of it. Yeah. Uh, And that, you know, different kinds of churches serve different kinds of purpose in that. So like, you know, if you become a Christian in a Methodist church, you might be wishy-washy forever because we always kind of say, well, we're not really sure. Right. Well, and I I actually remember in my own faith story when there was, when you, when you, you know, you think back and you go, oh, I have it all figured out. And then. And then something totally totally disrupts your life. And it doesn't even have to be really disruptive. Like it could just be like you read another book or you have this random conversation, right? I remember the first time I ever had the whole all knowing or all loving conversation about Mm. who God is. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, I've got to be okay. I've got to be okay with some gray. Yeah. I've got to be okay that the box is bigger than I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And that the box is not God. Mm -hmm. For me personally, the most significant description of who God is, is constant. Mm-hmm. but not in that but not unchanging but not unchanging god's trying to figure out the puzzle of humanity mm-hmm. <laughs> right alongside us so you think about that with like parents right parents, yeah. good parents love you forever mm-hmm. but hopefully you're still growing right. and hopefully and they're, they're, they're still, still growing. growing right yeah like i think about um, we, we're not the same still it doesn't make no. us this it doesn't make us equal by any stretch of the imagination parents and children but, but when we become adults we become more yeah, but I'm drawing a metaphor with God here. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I'll so, like, there's still an other thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think about having examples in my own life of how my grandparents grew. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandmother on my dad's side, she could have stopped her story at any of a number of tragic points in her life and said, oh, there's no God or or there's, or this is too, too much or whatever. But right up until she died, she was open and loving and allowed God to convince her of things that I think she had no reference point for when she was a child mm-hmm. and changed, yeah. you know, all of us. I, I remember my, my grandmother was born and raised in Scotland, uh, moved to San Diego when she was in her forties. She never learned how to drive. Mm. She didn't wear pants until she was like 50 or 60 years old. You know, <laughs> she was a very traditional woman. And when her husband passed away, she'd never learned how to, she still never learned how to drive, but she adapted. She learned how to use public transportation. She learned how to get around, how to mm-hmm. take care of herself because she valued being independent. Right. You know, she had her line in the sand or whatever, which was apparently operating a vehicle. <laughs> we used to tease her. We'd get her a golf cart when we moved to a retirement community, but she was not into it. Um, so there's, so there's it, that it, idea it, of golf like, carts are still dangerous. So, you know, like she didn't. That who she was in Scotland couldn't be who she mm-hmm. was in San Diego, couldn't be who she was when she moved into the retirement community. Like she had to keep yeah. adapting and evolving and growing new skills and learning new right. things and, and figuring all that stuff out in yeah. order to live a full life. Yeah. And she did. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, all cool. Right. Well, thanks, Susan. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us, if you have comments that you'd like to share with us, you can catch us on our email address, sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can comment on our Facebook page, which is Sunday Morning Sleep In. Uh, you can find us on our website, sundaymorningsleepin.com, where you'll find the entire archive of every episode we've ever recorded and edited and posted, including links to the scriptures and to other things that we've been talking about. The scripture for this podcast was John 12, 20 to 33, and Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. The theme music you're hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So at the end of a worship service and at the end of our podcast, we, we give you a thought, we give you some shiny words to 
maybe make you feel um, or be a little shinier, but we don't have any magic words, but what we do know is that God created you and God is calling you into more creation, going alongside and, and working with us and invites you into the practice of heart calisthenics and living out the story.